0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au Alright, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you might want to start in John chapter 5. We're going to go from John chapter 5 into Luke chapter 1. Um, Hopefully play around in there. It's on the uh, YouVersion Bible app if you're downloading the Bible app there as well. We're going to play around and have some fun here. Um, I hope we have some fun anyway. I really believe that uh, this word is really powerful today uh, and not because of anything that I've done or anything that i prepared. I really want to believe and pray that the Holy Spirit will uh, release in me the words that need to be released. You take the words that the Holy Spirit wants to give you uh, and everything else you're able to lay down. Um, and just enjoy and participate in. I guess it's really easy to kind of be here and be passive. And I was reminded this week, this isn't just a one-way street. This is an an invitation to participate and um, have some fun together and enjoy. And I hope that's the case for you. Um, And uh, come Holy Spirit, I say. Have I mentioned that you can still get baptised? Just checking. Just checking. So... Um, one of the great gifts, and I think it's fair to say, it's one of those stories that could just all be about me, but I think it's a common experience, um, so we'll see how we go. But one of the great gifts and one of the great challenges in life is parenthood. Um, actually, and even more than that, is that, a, do people feel like that? Can I just check before I go any further? Yeah, all right, people identifying with my opening statement, it's always a good thing, I've got the hook, you're in with me. Um, uh, even, if you're not in, uh, even if you're not a parent, never been a parent, never thinking about becoming a parent, let me say like this, one of the great gifts and one of the great challenges in life is relationships. How can you go, oh, that's pretty fair, isn't it? Like, we're all in that. Uh, we've all got some relationships so you might not necessarily apply it to parenthood but you might be able to apply it to some kind of relationship that you've been involved in or anticipating so the thing about parenting is you spend so much time planning anticipating and preparing for becoming a parent and then you wonder what on earth you're doing is that just my experience no okay all right it's good So you spend months preparing and even before that moment, you know, of of the finally, uh, the birth of the child, there's moments of thinking about is the right time, is it the right season, can we afford it, can we not? You know, maybe you haven't thought about it this much, I'm not saying I did, I'm just, there's all these questions that go around. And anticipation and expectation and preparation, buying furniture, getting furniture donated that you don't know what to do with and don't know what to use and how to use it... Um, and uh, getting lots of clothes and is it a boy or a girl and all that expectation, anticipation and you have, when that child is born you're full of delight and with uncertainty about what you do next. I remember May being born and um, Andrea was non compass for a couple of days afterwards um, but I did hear that... um, well, it was like this. So, Caesarean birth after 40 hours of labour. Um, and that was fun. Um, uh, and, and this isn't a competition about male-female thing. Please, I'm not going there. Don't, don't even start on me about that. Um, but... So, 40 hours of labour, and then the surgeons and the nursing staff, in all their grace, they kind of go, All right, Andrea, we'll just give you, you go off to recovery, Monash Medical Centre. So, what is that, five, six stories? You, Andrea, you go off to uh, recovery, and Simon, you follow us. So, I followed them in a day, like, I don't, I don't even know if I was awake, quite honestly. My eyes were open, and that's about it. Um, we go up, and I'm looking at this bundle of joy. And I, I'm just literally standing there. And because it wasn't just 40 hours of labor, like Andrea had contractions a couple of days before that, so I probably hadn't slept for several days. Um, and I, I remember quite deliberately and thinking, what now? You know, everyone else just left. You know, they're all looking after Andrea. And I'm just sitting there going, welcome to the world, kid. I remember when Grace, we were, we were expecting Grace, and it was halfway—I don't know about halfway through—and uh, the pregnancy. And I said to Andrea, "I'm not sure about this." And she kind of looks at me and goes, "It's a bit late now, kiddo." So when we get May home, and May had been quiet in the hospital, barely a peep. Andrea knew her cry already. And, you know, I was being the gracious husband. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm lying there in the middle of our freezing cold house with my feet up on the heater, with May on my chest, thinking that's the only way she's going to sleep. How am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Um, And then we start encouraging our children with sounds. Mum, mum, mum. Dad, dad, dad. And it becomes a competition. Dad wins. Dad wins. probably the only time dad has one but and there's no sweeter sound is there that first time the children say mum or dad until it goes on repeat (laughs) mum why dad why when how why can't i they did but see all that to say we want these names to mean something don't we we want these names to mean something, not just as children, but even as they grow up into adults. And we've been watching our children grow now for uh, 23 years. They'll love, I chose that photo, especially knowing our kids would love that photo. Um, <clears throat> we take a Christmas photo every year uh, and they'll be loving that. I'll be in trouble for that. I'll just let you know, this is the kind of sacrificial person I am. I put things up of my children, even when I'm going to get into trouble for them. Um, so well, it's not just about we, I guess, Andrew and I, early on, just kind of had this real sense that these kids aren't ours. Like they're ours, but they're only ours for a short period of time. Now I know we'll always be their parents, and I know some of you have seen the changes in parenthood and the change between parent and child. And you know, you're you're still parenting, and you're, it's not to say that we won't be involved in their lives, but it's to say that these children that what we do with these children and how we raise them is now a gift that we've got to treat really sacredly and really well. And we've got an enormous amount of responsibility with this. And I learnt probably later than I should have, but we, we wanted to raise our children in a way that more than anything, more than what they did, more than what they achieved, more than what they accomplished, more than a score they got at some end of, school years we wanted them to know who they were we still want our kids to know who they are and so when our children are 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 troubled or struggling or in trouble or flat or when it's not going very well in our house there's this question that goes about our house who do you belong to now generally the first answer is you dad and that's really cool and we've had conversations around that But I also want to remind them they actually belong to someone much bigger than me as their human father. I actually want to remind them that they belong to God. Now I want to say that's not about being overwhelmed or it's not about being owned or a possession, but knowing who they are in life in such a way that it creates and shapes them and blesses them and gives them a freedom and releases them into so much more than I could ever imagine or create for them as a human parent. See, when we know who we are, this transforms how we view God, it transforms how we view ourselves and it transforms how we view one another. And we understand that it's not just about kind of possession and ownership and family heritage, but it's understanding that we get to participate and play and explore and shape life together. And this is true regardless of whatever relationship that you're part of. This isn't just a a parent-child, it's just one of the, the blessings that I've got. Why have I got that? I don't know, it's just, it is. I know many others, I've said it before, who haven't got this same experience and blessing, but the nature of relationships is that whatever kind of relationship that we participate in, it's to understand and explore and play and shape and create and build things together, life together. And just as a sidebar, you know, parents and particularly dads, I can't state strongly enough how important it is that you teach your children to know who they are above everything else. And you teach them that by the way that you speak into your wives' lives by the way that you honour your wives, by the way that you release your children, by the way that you talk about difference of opinion with your children, how you engage with your children when they don't agree with you, when they're doing something different than what, the way that you were raised. You've got an opportunity to help them discover more of the heart of the Heavenly Father. So we're in the middle of this series, or towards the end of this series, at this Christmas season, Advent season, exploring the names of God. And it's not anywhere near complete, because I think we're exploring five names or expressions of God that reveal the heart of God, and not even just to reveal the heart of God, but His desire to be in a transforming relationship with every single one of us. We started with exploring God as I am, the one who simply is and to be Damien spoke about God um, being revealed, uh, sorry, spoke about Jesus revealing himself as the Son of Man. Linda spoke last week about Jesus as the Son of God. And I want us to unpack and explore this idea today about God the Father and how Jesus reveals him as the Father and the relationship and what that invites us into. And Jarrah's next week is going to conclude the series um, on exploring the Counselor. So, what you're still doing? Or have you changed your mind at the moment? Come back to be surprised next week. So here we go. John chapter 5. Jesus had been healing people, um, which isn't an issue so much, until he does, heals people on the Sabbath. Um, and uh, he has this conversation with religious leaders. Because Jesus was doing these, these things on the Sabbath, and you can go back and explore the story a little bit further the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Can you hear this shift already? Can you hear this understanding? So there's this huge revelation, this huge shift taking place between the religious leaders and Jesus. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, so firstly about the systems and the law that had been created, so it's about systems and law. Um, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now I've been thinking about this all week and I'm pretty sure if I went to my dad and said, you and I are equal, just the meal, see? What's that? You know, if my, my kids come to me and I think it's something, hang on, you're, you're my equal? No, 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 no. I'm your dad. That somehow sets me in authority. Whereas Jesus says... Um, and I'm not saying that's healthy, That's just a kind of messy thought in my head at the moment. Um, Jesus actually sets Himself about doing His Father's business and being in partnership with His Father, not in, not in terms of authority levels, but in partnership. Jesus gave Him this answer, I'll tell you, this, this passage will mess with your heads if you, and your spirits, I hope. Um, Jesus gave them this answer very truly I tell you the son can do nothing by himself he can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does the son does also does for the father loves the son and shows him all he does yes and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed this relationship is meant to mess with your heads and your spirits in a good way in a life giving way for just as your Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Seeing the close relationship here? You want to dismiss Jesus, you're dismissing God. This, this, for religious leaders who have systems and structures and laws in place, this is messing with their heads. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We've been obeying God our whole lives. We've been doing what we thought, the system that was put in place our whole lives. And now you're going to tell us, Jesus, that if we don't honour you, we're not honouring this God we claim to have been serving our whole lives. Have you ever felt like you've been doing all the right things, believing that's what you've been taught, and then all of a sudden, someone come and mess it all up on you? That's an opportunity. That's an opportunity to take on a new point of view. Um, Very truly, verse 24, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming, has now come, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. So within the space of a short conversation, Jesus has identified himself as equal in authority with his Father, as the Son of God and as the Son of Man. Wow. Now, there's no issues for the people of Israel with God as father. They understand God as Father. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. Well, uh, verse twenty-two, the Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but I'll harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says Israel is my firstborn son. So religious leaders understand that God is father. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, when Moses tells the story all over again, is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your Father, your Creator, who formed you, who made you? So religious leaders understand God as Father, but the the sticking point comes when Jesus is now coming and saying, I am about my Father's business, I'm doing only what the Father wants me to do. And they're going, hang on, you're you're identifying yourself in relationship with the Father. This is outside all the rules. This is outside all the systems. This is outside all the procedural ways. This is outside all the paperwork that we've been doing our whole life. Yep. See, religious leaders based their relationship on what they did Jesus invites, uh, Jesus lives out of who he was and who God was, and he invites all to do the same. See, we are dead while we don't recognize who Jesus is and who he reveals the Father to be, and we come alive when we recognize Jesus for who he was and recognize who we are. See, when rules or systems determine the relationship, something has been lost. And I suspect we would identify religious leaders because many of us here would have an understanding of how God operates, an expectation of how God operates. And regardless of your journey with God, maybe you've been in the church your whole life and you've heard this idea of how God operates, you've heard your ideas about how the church operates, and we've got a box about what we expect to happen and how we expect to happen and when we expect it to happen. Religious leaders sound familiar? And maybe you've not been in the church. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by who you think God has been. You expect God to operate in this way because of that one experience. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, no, 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 no. no! Pay attention here. Open your ears to something new. Whatever might have been in the past is no longer. Whatever you think it might be and however you want to put things in a box, actually, let's just unpack what's in the box. And let's discover it. See, maybe it's about what our parents taught us, how we have seen others do it or experience. But if we want to know the fullness of a relationship with God, we need to look at Jesus. See, growing up, um, it was very clear what we should call our parents. We were very clearly told as children, as three boys of the house, um, we were very clearly told that we could only call our parents mum and dad. Um, and let me, it was put in no uncertain terms now every now and then as we were growing up we think we tried a bit on and every now and then we'd go we call out to dad and we'd go father and every now and then he quote Matthew all the time whenever we said this father he would quote this Matthew 23 verse 9 passage it says do not call um, anyone on earth father for the only father you have is God who is in heaven And so as I think about that, and I don't think that's necessarily how Dad intended it to be, but it it became about this whole understanding God to be this very serious relationship. And I know that I've said that to my own children, and we kind of make a joke of it now, but it's this whole sense of God is this very serious kind of relationship. Um, We approach God where we sense where you've got to pick your moment. I don't know about when I... I don't know about how you responded to your parents, but when we were kids, we went to our parents depending on what we wanted to get. Oh Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I can't even remember a specific example. Can you remember? But I, I can't remember. But, and it would actually depend a lot on their moods as well. How's mum feeling today? Maybe dad would be a better option. Probably if I wanted dad to drive, if I wanted someone to drive me somewhere, it would be dad. I was never going to get very far with dad. Uh, with rum in terms of driving somewhere. Um, but you know, it'd be, and so we can we can view God through that lens. This moment we've got to pick, is God in a good mood? Have I got all my check boxes ticked? Have I done all the right things? Am I, you know, like Nicole said, am I a worthy person to come to God? That's and because that's how this is why it's so important, parents, of how we teach our children. Because our children can grow up with this experience of God without even kind of mentioning God, if you like. So I went to theological college, which sounds really impressive, doesn't it? Um, It's not. Uh, And when I was going through college, this new movement started that was called the postmodern theology. I still don't know what that means. Um, And I got to a place where I think it was just about asking questions. And it got to a place where this everything was being questioned, including the idea that we call God as Father. Okay, so we, we heard a lot of messages... No, we didn't hear a lot of messages, that's not fair. Um, there was lots of conversations about experiencing God as Mother. And because we couldn't declare God as Father, because the Scriptures were written in a time where men ruled and it was about the patriarcha, patriarch of the family and the church, you know, lots of church abusers were coming out. Guess who conducts the most abuse in the church? men. Um, And so how do we identify with God as Father? And maybe that's your experience too. Maybe you wrestle with how do I identify with God as Father when my own father treated me so badly? And so we had lots of language around conversations around experiencing God as Mother. Now, I'm not going to say that God is one or the other because I think there's lots of language that identifies God as having mother qualities. If you think about um, the word for wisdom is Sophia, which is a feminine word in the Hebrew language, which is a really important statement for the Hebrew people in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures. So this nature of um, gathering um, chicks as a hen gathers her chicks, There's some very feminine expressions of the compassion and the heart of God. But we can't just throw out God as Father. Um, But we we recognise that this gets messed up because of our worldview, because of our understandings. And it's easy to dismiss things rather than redeem how we understand Father. Well, what about reflecting on the Lord's Prayer? How does the Lord's Prayer start? So inspiring, um, that, and and more recently, and even for my, you know, as I go into our Father, it's this very serious moment because you know we only call God our Father who is in heaven. We can't call our heavenly, uh, our earthly dads fathers. And incidentally, even now, even now, I think because I left home earlier than my two other brothers, my Jared and Anthony will completely. Disrespect any other instruction and they have also I'm the only decent obedient child. Wow. Or I'm the only one who hasn't been gutsy enough to break the rules. Um, <laughs> and I after that. And I think it's because I left home at 16, so I didn't have this relationship to form. But Anthony and Jared will still, you know, they'll they'll have their nicknames from mum and dad, and I'll go, oh, <laughs> can't do that. There's still this whole thing about that for me. So anyway, uh, this a little side bit of fun for you. Um, our father, this serious, you know, he is the only father. He is the only one. And it becomes this serious relationship. And more recently, you would have heard conversations that says the language for that is actually Abba. Which is actually like calling out for daddy. Now, I, you know, when you call daddy, it's when, you, when you're hurt. When you're in pain, when something traumatic has happened, when you wake up from a nightmare, you call out. This language is one of desperation or um, anticipation or excitement. And that changes the whole concept. Now, I've been having conversations with people at different times who go, I don't know if I can call God daddy. Why? Because all of a sudden, if we're not able to call God daddy, that kind of changes this holy God, doesn't it? You're right. It does. That's the point. That's the point. God is holy, but so is He intimate. Ho, oh, ho, ho! That is awesome. Now we've got to practice that because our world's, you know, God's kind of got it and shaken it and gone whoop. Because your heads and your spirits aren't yet to cope with all this. That's okay. Just play don't have to shift. I think sometimes in faith and in in Scripture, we kind of, this is what we believe. And so we get a new idea and we go over here and then we go, I don't know what to do now. That's not how God operates. So yeah, stay here. We might need to decide, actually I need to put that down so I can pick this up and keep walking. God is holy and He is intimate. And it's a beautiful expression as God is, of God as Father. Um, so, on the one hand, we can experience God the Father as distant and overbearing and unapproachable. All of those things are not really God. They're worldviews or their experience views or their lenses that we've grown up looking through that are not really helpful in our relationship with God. And on the other hand, all of us have this deep. Longing and desire for this per- personal, approachable and intimate God. Who is God the Father? Can we trust God the Father? Can this relationship be redeemed? Can we experience the depth of the Father's love? Yes. Say it with me. Yes. Ready? One, two, three. Yes. Oh, that's all, that was convincing. Well done. So we see this expression of God uh, in Luke chapter 1. And we're getting there. Uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, so you hear the systems, the structure, the empire, the power of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, again, family heritage, family power, importance, language, both of whom were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now understand this and hear this. Just because we live blameless lives does not mean we necessarily get everything that we want or everything goes according to plan. How do I know that? Because time and time again we read stories like this. They were righteous, they were blameless, they obeyed all the laws and still they were without children. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. That's a whole lot of background that we're going to skip over today. Uh, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear your son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and are disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is an incredibly generous and beautiful expression of God the Father. And listen to the outcome of uh, Zechariah after John's birth. Listen to how Zechariah responds. Praise be to the Lord the God of Israel, because he has come to his people. Are you hearing that? Just stop here. Listen to this again. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he has said through his holy, as, as He said through His holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the land of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember His holy covenant, the oath He swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, my child, speaking of John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord, speaking of Jesus, to prepare the way for Him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. See, John is the one who will point to Jesus who reveals God the Father. And what do we see? How do we see God the Father being revealed? God the Father continues to break in into our lives. God the Father is still desiring to be involved in your life. Wherever you've come from, wherever you are right now, God the Father continues to break in and initiate the relationship. He's not waiting for you. He already calls you His child. And He's pursuing an intimate and personal relationship with you. God the Father is extravagant and surprising in his redemption and his restoration of relationship with people. This isn't about yielding a big stick and making sure that you've got it all together. This is about God coming to us and saying, You are mine. I love you. I am here. There's no doubt that God is holy and righteous, and there's no doubt that God will judge. There's no doubt that God does discipline. But he doesn't punish out of anger. He disciplines out of his love. And God is a safe place of refuge. He is a safe place of repentance, of restoration, realignment, taking on a new point of view when we are transformed by his love. And his greatest desire is that we would participate in a relationship with him. Systems and rules and regulations miss the point. It's never meant to be about that. They were put in place for a specific reason, there's no doubt. But even before that, God broke in. The people of Israel, God breaks in. In their unfaithfulness, God breaks in and He initiates a relationship. He calls a prophet, reminds them of who He is. Holy, righteous, personal, intimate. And now, in the full expression of Jesus, God the Father is revealed. Who do you belong to? If you want me to ask you another question in another way, who are you walking with? I felt like it was important before the service, Psalm 68, um, verse 4, Sing to God, sing in praise of His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before Him, His name is the Lord. He is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, Is God in his holy dwelling? And Jesus comes and he becomes the father to the fatherless and a defender of the widows and the oppressed and the outcast and those who didn't obey all the systems or live out of all the boxes and the rules. Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. See, Jesus was able to do that because he knew who he was. And knowing his father, who his father was, he was willing to die and reveal His, the love that His Father, our Father, has for us. See, one of the most difficult choices is to accept that love for ourselves. Because it means we might actually have to put down all that we've experienced. It means it turns our world upside down. Those of us who are sitting here and wrestling with this whole idea that God can be Father who loves us, and recognising our own relationship with our parents was an absolute disaster and we're arguing with it right now this is one of the great gifts you'll ever experience is to receive this and know the perfect outrageous generous extravagant love of God the father in romans chapter 8 for those of us paul was writing for those of us who're led by the spirit of god are the children of god the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption it's a sonship. And that, that word sonship, that's not about gender. That's not about patriarch. That's about inheritance. You know, male, female, wherever you land, you have this inheritance from God. This inheritance of life. This inheritance is yours now to participate in, to receive, to play in, to do with it as you are led to do as you and the Father become one. That's just going to take a while to sink in. Um, Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know that moment when something in here gets awakened? You know that moment when you go, Oh, yes, do you remember that moment? It was that moment before you decided to walk through the waters of baptism. It was that moment when you walked through the waters of baptism and it's that moment when your eyes and your spirit was awake and you have been reading the same scripture for 20 years and all of a sudden you went, Oh yes, Abba, Daddy, Father. It gets awakened again and again and again now. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, when we accept that love, that transforms the way we see ourselves and others. And when we know who we are, when we know who we belong to, our past has no authority, our past has no shame, there is no condemnation over us. Um, and it, all our fears and our condemnation and our guilt has been cast out because we know that we are safe in a perfect Father's love. And we get to be a part of who God is. <laughs> and we get to be a part of what God is doing. Jesus knew his Father so that you and I can know the Father. Who do you belong to? And it's a simple statement, a simple meal of remembrance that we come to, that we remember Jesus and a life, and sometimes we can restrict it, and we say, well, this is about the death of Jesus. No, 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 no. It's about the life of Jesus and the life that you and I get to participate in. And how can I know that? Because of the way that Jesus lived, because of the death that he died that says that's enough to systems, that's enough to rules and regulations. This is about relationship and that was affirmed in a resurrection. Dying to self, dying to the past and being raised up into new life. And this simple meal is an act of remembering that invitation. It is a simple act of remembering who we belong to and who we choose to follow. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for the reminder we can call you Father. I feel like you're really ministering into hearts and minds and there's people here who are really wrestling with that. Holy Spirit, I just ask that your love will cast out all fear that people will know the depth of your love experience and encounter you in a new way right here right now that you will break through all the obstacles all the fear all the guilt all the condemnation all the abuse all the hardship that's been spoken all the past and you will just minister right now holy spirit father come daddy come heal those broken hearts heal those deep wounds Father, as we participate in this meal, may we be reminded of who you are as has been expressed and demonstrated through the person of Jesus. Thank you that we can call you, Father, as this deeply personal and intimate, surprising and beautifully extravagant relationship. That we are redeemed and restored and made right in you. For now, not just for a time to come, but that we might be transformed. And as we are transformed, we are transforming our world with you, alongside you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen.